Its mother is inside the park. If everybody had a mother across the USA, then everybody'd be served like California. This episode of The Purple Stuff will open up the same way that Ghostbusters 2 does, Matt. How's that? Five years later. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's been a while. It has been a while, and we're back. Yeah, it's been like three months, maybe? What have you been up to? Anything good? No. I've been up to things, but none of them good. (laughs) Well, I know you're full of caffeine. I'm caffeinating myself and getting ready for a big show tonight, the 41st episode. Yeah, it's our special anniversary show. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you tell everybody what we're doing tonight? We are doing an entire podcast dedicated to sharks. 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 (laughs) We've actually wanted to do a shark show for a long time. We have, because both of us, like, we love sharks. Obviously, you're a big shark fan. Uh, I feel like everybody is now. It's like the Animal Kingdom's version of pizza. (laughs) People yeah, are like, I, I, I love sharks, oh, and I'm like, sure. oh, okay. Count everyone else in the world in with you. Back when I was a kid, any chance I got to write a report or do research on sharks, I always took it because, to me, they were way more interesting than anything else I could be writing about at that time. So I'm definitely on board with it. And one thing to think about before we, we go into this huge shark, shark extravaganza. extravaganza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we said this on the show before. A psycho was to showers as Jaws was to pools. Yeah, oh, yeah, to pools for us, right. From I think for normal people it would be oceans, but for and you oceans, and I, it was just a swimming pool in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, I, I know we've covered this on a show before, but we're not yeah. lying. Like, that was totally a thing. If you were in a swimming pool, even if it was like a four-by-four-foot swimming pool, you would be convinced that you were in there with Jaws. The irony of it is that I would go to the ocean and not be scared that there was going to be a shark. Well, there was other people there. The shark had a lot of other targets to focus on. In your pool, it was just like you. Yeah, it was just us. And like, especially if you were going in the pool like alone on a summer day. No one could hear you scream. (laughs) But one thing I am a little bit fearful of, I just hope that we don't actually jump the shark with this episode. Well, looking at what we're bringing up tonight, I'd say that's a distinct possibility. Well, there's only one way to find out. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll have to start our show, and I'll volunteer unless you want to go. No, I'm I'm down with you starting. Okay. 
here we go with my first shark pick. Number one. Holy Hollywood, it's here, Batman the Movie. Starring Adam West as the Cape Crusader and Burt Ward as Robin the Boy Wonder. With the original Bat Villains. Bat Peril, Bat Boats, Bat Bombs, Bat Gadgets, Bat Bits, and Bat Surprises. And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Batman! With the recent passing of Adam West, I wanted to open my set of selections with a scene from Batman the movie from 1966. <laughs> the old exploding shark gimmick. Oh. If you remember this. Of course I do. It's one of the most classic moments from any Batman thing ever. Batman and Robin are in the Batcopter, and Batman decides to lower himself on the rope ladder. And as he's going down, a shark jumps up and bites on his leg and it just attaches like with a death lock onto his leg holy sardine holy sardine <laughs> so he asks robin hand me down the shark repellent bat spray right so robin gives him the bat spray wait 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 you're jumping you're jumping yeah. First of all... Well, oh, he's beating the hell out of the shark. Yeah, for one yeah. thing, he's punching that shark like it's a bag of flour. Just, like, <laughs> wailing on it. And for another thing, Robin takes, like, 15 minutes to get down that ladder. And why does he do, like, a back dive? Like, he he attaches his legs and he lowers himself, like, upside down. He could have just handed it to him, like, regular. Like a normal person, yes. yes. Everything about Robin's <laughs> descent was off. That movie's 104 minutes, and 20 of them are Robin crawling down the ladder and doing the completely pointless acrobatics. Talk about building up the anticipation, yeah. you know? The one scene that's the best is that when you see the oceanic repellent sprays that they have in the helicopter. Barracuda repellent, whale repellent. Manta ray repellent. Very yeah. specific. Hand me down the shark repellent back spray. But when I was a kid, this movie playing was a reason to get out of going outside and, and, and stuff like that. Because I remember kids would come and knock on the door once in a while and say, hey, do you want to come out and play or neighbors and whatnot? And I'm like, no, I'm watching the uh, Batman movie from 1966 on WPIX. It can't come out. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, October. <laughs> I used to get talked about, like, what is wrong with this guy? He doesn't want to come out and play kickball because he has to watch Batman. Right. Well, two things. Number one, I never had this problem because no one ever knocked on my door. And number two, you know, you didn't need to go into specifics. You could have just said, I'm busy. You didn't have to specify that. I, I can't come out. Batman 66 is on. But knowing you, you totally would. I totally did. Yeah. Because you, you were know, just like the supreme offerer of extra information when it's not called for. I love extraneous information. Yeah. <laughs> but to end this, I have another Jay's dad story real quick. Love those. Yeah. In 1989, when I got the kids utility belt from like the movie, the Batman movie. Right. My dad took one of my sister's old hairspray cans and he created a shark repellent bat spray can for me. Oh, for, he did not. I swear for my utility belt. And oh it was God. so amazing. And it looked exactly like the screen used can. Uh, I'm sure now you could probably find them. Somebody probably makes them online. But back then it was unheard of. Do you ever buy your dad one of those like world's greatest dad trophies from Spencer's? Because <laughs> you totally should have. 
It would never mean a thing because, you know, you would need something higher than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who the fuck makes his kid a prop from a uh, mostly forgotten Batman movie? Yeah, totally legit, too. That actually happened. I believe it. <laughs> An exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. It all adds up to a sinister riddle. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> you look stoked. Yeah, I just snagged a surfer. A <laughs> surfer? <laughs> so what's the big deal? He was chewing Cinnaburst. <laughs> Flavor crystals? Flavor crystals? Excellent! Yeah! Cinnaburst with Flavor crystals. Bite the burst. Do you remember Cinnaburst gum? I do remember Cinnaburst gum, absolutely. It debuted in 1991, and it was a cinnamon gum in the vein of Big Red, but they mm -hmm. had these flavor crystals. Flavor crystals. In, in, <laughs> flavor crystals. <laughs> yes. Flavor crystals? Flavor crystals? Excellent! Yeah. Near the end of the 90s, the machine behind Cinnaburst made a bunch of commercials starring these um, CG sharks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Have you seen these? Of course I've seen them. Yeah, like I used they, to pull from them. Yeah, they, so the hook was that they gave each other bonus points if their victims had been chewing Cinnaburst when they ate them. <laughs> it was like creepy in a way. Because they're insinuating that if they ate the person that had like a good flavor in them, then it would be better for them. Right, like for some yeah. reason, like they're into the, the cinnamon sensation of Cinnaburst. Yeah, so the sensation. Like, <laughs> it's like you would have the one shark, being like, yo, I just ate a dude and that motherfucker was chewing Cinnaburst. And the other shark would be like, oh man, you're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Although one of the sharks, he kind of sounded like Tone Loke. He did sound like Tone Loke. Maybe that's how he got started. It wasn't him, but it would have been better if it was. No, I don't <laughs> think, yeah, I think I would have heard if Tone Loke was in a Cineverse commercial playing a shark. I wasn't a cinnamon fan. I was not a cinnamon gum person. Really? For me, gum, it was either Chewels or the the gum on the nose of Bubble Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you just picked the two most obscure possible gums. <laughs> it's either got to be Popsicle nose gum or that shit from the bottom of your mother's tobacco stain purse. No, not chiclets. Chewels. I know damn well what chewels are. <laughs> All right. Back to the fucking Cineverse. Yeah. So the one commercial, though, I remember they're talking about eating a wrestler. Hey, bud. Didn't see you at supper. Had a big lunch. A wrestler. Ooh, they kick on the way down. So the one shark says, he gave my tongue a body slam. <laughs> like, what? What? I don't. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, to me, it sounded like what Sable may have said after her first date with Wildman Mark Marrow. No. <laughs> I didn't think wrestlers could walk and chew. <laughs> Number three. There's been many times, Matt, that we've gone to the Atlantic City boardwalk. Too many times. And search for garbage. Yeah. But there's one haven, and it's called the Land Shark Bar. Oh my God, you're bringing up the Land Shark Bar. Yes. That's awesome. This is the place that makes you feel like you aren't 
actually on the Atlantic City boardwalk and you're actually on some ritzy island in the Bahamas or something like that. Uh, I mean, that, that might be overstating the case. Just yeah, I'm slightly. Thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it is right on the beach and you do get those ocean breezes and they are very salty. And <laughs> I'm at the point now where I don't consider any trip to AC complete without a trip to Landshark. You do kind of feel like you're on vacation, you know, somewhere other than New Jersey. Yeah, well, the beauty of Landshark is that they kind of present it like it's this sort of, like, um, mom-and-pop drink shack. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you go in and you start ordering drinks and realize that they're $37 a pop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so, it's you get, like, two drinks and, like, a plate of olives there, and it's $200. It's super hot outside. You've been walking up and down the boardwalk searching for stuff. And then a nice cold glass of tequila and some taco nachos, which they make that are really, really good. So it's okay if you pay $250 for it. That's true. Uh, I have two specific memories of Landshark. Right. Go the, ahead. I think the first time you and I went there was directly after I had spent like $50 on those Michael Jordan gumball dispensers from the 99 cent store. Yes. So we had to go into Landshark carrying like literally eight bags of Michael Jordan gumball dispensers from 1994. <laughs> I know. We and I'm all... like desperately trying to like keep the bags closed so no one sees that I got these, just this endless pile of Michael Jordan shaped plastic heads. <laughs> Popping out of my shopping bags, which of course are from defunct grocery store chains because I got them from the fucking 99 cent store. (laughs) I think it was the same day where there was like a hurricane looming on the horizon. Oh, yeah. It got like super dark. But there was surfers still out there, and we sat there like eating chips and watching these surfers. It looked like the apocalypse was coming. It absolutely did, and I'm glad you brought up the chips because I was about to. That's my second memory of Landshark. Those nachos. Oh, they're so good. I love it because, like, we go there and we're like, uh, we shouldn't eat heavy. We have dinner reservations in an hour. Let's just get the nachos. And meanwhile, they practically come out in a fucking wheelbarrow. Number four. Just when you thought it was safe to eat shark bites. dismissed. Shark Bites Fruit Snacks. You've got to eat them before they eat you. Shark Bites Fruit Snacks! Oh, oh yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah, now we're getting to the good stuff. Now we're playing with power. Yeah. I believe these things came out in 1988, and at that time, they were the hottest lunchbox snack Absolutely, hands down. I don't know if today's kids revere their fruit snacks the same way we did. I remember treating each pouch of Shark Bites like it was a main event. Oh, yeah. It it was totally a a revolution in the fruit snacking industry. (laughs) You're you're totally not overselling it. No, I'm not. No. It really was. Yeah, no, completely. Just to put it in context, for anyone maybe that didn't live through this era, which, I mean, we sound like old men, but it's true. We are. our, Our fruit snacks typically were little tiny like oval shaped like a a red color a purple color jesus christ i feel like i'm playing the twenty five thousand dollar (laughs) pyramid but i mean there's the that that was it yeah i mean most of them like fruit wrinkles and fun fruits they had spent the majority of their careers being shaped sort of like neon rabbit shit and then (laughs) out came shark bites like literal little tiny sharks that you could play with and then eat yeah so they were popular from day one 
but the craze really peaked when Betty Crocker introduced the Great Whites. Oh my god, the Great Whites! The Great Whites! Here comes the biggest, fiercest fruit shark of them all, the Great White. Great White sharks with killer fruit taste. New in Shark Bites fruit snacks, you've got to eat them before they eat you. Intense! The greatest fruit snack gimmick of all time. Absolutely. They were chalky, white, and I don't know what they were supposed to taste like, but it really didn't matter. The idea was that they were rare and elusive. That same intensity you would get when collecting, like, trading cards and comic books, mm -hmm. now you were applying it to fucking fruit snacks. Exactly. If you opened a pack of cards and you uh, you got like a rookie card or a rare hologram card or something, it was the same type of thing. Exactly. But like you just said, with the chalky color, this thing was like fully white. Yeah, it was completely albino white shark. <laughs> yeah. The flavor, it was sort of like a mystery flavor, but... Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, I, I think I just read this actually, that still today people don't know what it was supposed to taste like. I thought it was like a... Sort of like a white grape or a pear or something like that. Really? A white yeah. grape flavored great white shark? Something great like white that. grape. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah. We solved the mystery. <laughs> Aside from those great whites, I have a question for you. Okay. In, I think it was 1991, do you remember this? When they took the great white gimmick a step further mm -hmm. and they yes. started, they did the tiger shark? Tiger shark was amazing. <gasps> so amazing. <gasps> So, like, how could you improve upon the great white shark? Oh, life finds a way. <laughs> I mean, so you would get a pouch and it would have maybe one or two great white sharks, but also maybe one or two tiger sharks, which were these mm. like white and brown swirly fruit snacks. God, they were so awesome looking. Oh, my God. They looked like polished stones. Like, they did you did. like you didn't want to eat them. You wanted to like make little necklaces out of them. <laughs> And then go to the land shark bar. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get half off my $50 margarita? Did you know that they still make these? They still make them. And I remember back in the mid to late 2000s, I was at ShopRite one day and I just happened to be in the fruit snack aisle and I saw them like they still make these things. It was such a trip. I don't know if they still come with the Great Whites. They did several years ago, but I'm looking at the pictures now and they ain't no Great Whites in those boxes. Maybe we have to go out and buy some. Why didn't I get one in preparation for the show? <laughs> awesome. Shark Bites. Shark Bites. Thank you, Shark Bites. <laughs> Thank you, Shark Bites. <laughs> now you can collect glow-in-the-dark shark toys. One free and specially marked boxes of Shark Bites fruit snacks. Number five. Matt, my next selection is about sleeping bags. Okay, so this is the one that you're totally surprising me with. I have no idea where you're going. I didn't give you any hints or clues about this. I just said it's going to be about sleeping bags. And to keep in our tradition of talking about things that we had or, or did as kids, sleeping bags were an institution when we were growing up. And something that kind of gets overlooked a lot is the fact that when it comes to sleeping bags and lunch boxes and sneakers and stuff like that, backpacks, it, it sort of defined who you were when you were a kid. Yeah, because they all had your like favorite cartoons or toy lines on them. So you're basically saying, this is me deal with it. 
I like the fucking GoBots, man. Yeah. You, you handle that. I had a He-Man sleeping bag for like 10 years. You know, that was my sleeping bag. Everyone knew me as the Masters of the Universe sleeping bag. Nowadays, I don't know if they're that much of a big deal. I don't even know if kids want or even get them anymore. I have no idea. But if you're a kid today, you have the opportunity to get a sleeping bag that is in the shape of a shark. And you could sleep inside of it. <laughs> There's a shark-shaped sleeping bag? It's My called... God, that's the new Sally Seashells. <laughs> and it's called the Chum Buddy. The Chum Buddy? Chum Buddy say there's a shark sleeping bag? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me type this motherfucking shit out. Chumbuddy.com. Chumbuddy.com. Um, Chum Buddy brings up a whole lot of, I think they're pool cleaners. Oh, they, oh my God, there it is. Holy yeah. shit, you weren't kidding. Yeah. So, like, now, could you imagine going to, like, a sleepover party or hanging out with friends? I mean, you can't imagine that, but you know what I'm saying. No, I can't. <laughs> you lost me. I was with you until that part. So, you come with this fucking shark. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> like, I don't know I, if, I, like, I, it's fucking eating you, like, violently. <laughs> hey, guys, I just got to set up my sleeping bag. Uh, I mean, jump into the shark's mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's wild, because when you describe it, it kind of sounds like a cartoony kind of thing. But no, this thing is eating you. There's a removable dorsal fin that doubles as a pillow. Oh, you're uh, kidding me. That dorsal yeah. fin doubles as a pillow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How much are they? These are two hundred and twenty nine ninety five. That can't possibly be true. No, no CODs. No, it's but it is. Oh, no, you're right. It is the, that much. There's different variations though, because okay. they're, like they have a second edition Chum Buddy, but then there's also the Chum Buddy Three, which is the junior version, Great White Shark. Oh, that's like a hundred dollars less. And then there's the Paligator. He's an alligator, but your pal at the same time. And he's only one hundred and fifty. Hmm. Decisions. <laughs> wow, my God, this is apparently a big business and a lucrative one at that. But, like, to me, this is one way to skip the middleman and face your fears if yeah, you're scared you're right. of sharks. <laughs> you're right. It's like a form of therapy. And also a really cool sleeping bag. <laughs> Number six. Okay, it's time to talk about street sharks. <laughs> you can't have a, a shark show on the purple stuff with no street sharks. Right, and it. that was the problem for us because, yeah. like, I mean, I don't know about you, I love the concept. Knock off Ninja Turtles with shark heads, totally down with that. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, but I'm also, and I, don't, I think you are too, to a degree, kind of a street sharks poser. I'll talk about it online like it was this great thing, but I actually know very little about it. Like I yeah, knew I'm... of the cartoon and I saw the action figures, mm -hmm. but I didn't start really paying attention to Street Sharks until this afternoon. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of with you. I do remember watching the show, but honestly, I felt like we were entering into a time, like you said, it's sort of like TMNT started the craze where you could make hybrid animal characters you know that kids could buy toys from right that, and that that's that's totally cool i just i felt like street sharks 
it turned the corner because it is kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's an out there concept and an even more out there execution. Sure. <laughs> There's an Austrian mad scientist who wants to perfect the human race. Well, yeah, Larry, let's go through this. Cause yeah. <laughs> so here's the situation. You and I right. decided to try a little experiment. We both watched the first episode of the show to prepare for the show. Okay, right. This is from 1994, so I was actually starting high school at this point. You might have been in the eighth grade. I have no memories of seeing this back then because I was in high school and I technically was no longer allowed to watch shows like this. Oh, stop. Will you stop? Will you stop? Everyone goes through that period and then you come back around when you're 20 and realize <laughs> that you're never going to be the cool person. You know, if you're not going to be cool, you might as well go back to the street sharks, see what you missed. Okay, so we're back. Yeah. So you have seen it, but it's been like 20 years. Right. So what were your impressions? It was insane. It was, <laughs> it was, so it, was nuts. it was crazy. Yeah. And this is the first episode and it's just totally insane. I want to say like, oh, it was so much fun. But I feel like this show specifically, it has gained a lot of nostalgic fans. I don't know if they remember back then. Because it, it didn't, like, take over the world. Like no, TMC. it was definitely, it was not a completely successful line. At least in the in the States, it wasn't. There's an Austrian mad scientist who wants to perfect the human race, sort of like a, like Hitler. Yeah. And he's got, an eye, he's got an eye patch, so that makes him evil. Yeah, he looks like a kinky version of Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> yeah. He dares to say no to me, his mentor, his idol, pitiful, stupid loser. Doesn't he know I always get what I want, one way or the other? And then he's like, okay, if I merge humans with sea creatures, that'll perfect the human race. So he takes his colleague's sons and merges them with sharks. No yeah, and it's like, for some reason, he expects this to make them like subservient. Yeah, And meanwhile, they're like, well, fuck this. <laughs> We're good guys. But to me, what's more horrifying than seeing an actual shark fin coming through the water like in an ocean, it would be to look outside in the street and see a shark busting through the street. Yeah, a Brock Lesnar <laughs> shark. <laughs> that lousy gene-slamming paradigm's gonna pay for this. Lighten up, guys. Maybe it's not all bad. I don't know about you, but I'm still hungry. So these regular dudes turn into these mutant sharks and they're just totally cool with it. Like yeah. they see their reflection and like, oh, well, I'm a shark. Let's go fucking eat a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. They eat hamburgers and stuff, but then they wear like inline skates and they talk like valley boys. Yes. Yes. It, so they're very cool. eclectic. Yeah. The traits that made up the street sharks. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, I mean. I know you've seen more of the series. This was my first episode that I've really sat down and watched. Mm -hmm. And it was cool enough to make me want to see the rest. Oh, so you're going to watch more is what you're saying. I mean, I bought the complete series on DVD <laughs> like three years ago because it was in one of those $5 Walmart bins. And I'm like, hey, hey, this is going to make me look extra cool on Instagram. <laughs> Anybody who likes Street Socks is going to identify with me. The one thing that you'll notice, even if you just watch the first episode like we did, in the background, some of the score sounds like Danny Elfman. Totally. It's like Elfman-esque. You know, every career has peaks and valleys. Maybe this is one of his valleys. <laughs> yeah, like he changed his name and he just, he took the job. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like to talk about it. But no, it actually does have that kind of vibe to it. 
So I would say that's probably one of the brighter points of the show. Right. And I mean, speaking of music, how about the theme song? Oh, my God. It's it like, like a, a, it's like a lazy motorhead. Yeah, then the actual Street Arts logo looks like they made it on, like, Windows 95. They totally did. They just put it over this black background with no animation. They're like, uh, hard cut to the logo? What's going on here, Street Arts? <laughs> Number seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Marshmallow Pebbles. Loaded with so many marshmallows to rock your whole mouth. The marshmallowest part of a complete breakfast. We're both cereal freaks. And I buy into all the gimmicks, you know. You so, are, like you are an insane cereal fan. Yeah. How many times are we anywhere, and you're like, you know what? I gotta stop at this store and these <laughs> next three stores because I'm looking for some new kind of raisin bran. <laughs> well, not raisin bran, but yeah. Sometimes I walk out of a store like ten boxes of cereal, and you're and... like, you'll walk in with such purpose that people must think that you're preparing to do a hit. Like it looks like <laughs> you're like literally marching to those aisles. That's true. Men on a mission. (laughs) (laughs) So this selection is Marshmallow Fruity Pebbles. These things are actually still in stores. Marshmallow Fruity Pebbles came out, I think, spring of 2016. And it wasn't so much that Fruity Pebbles had marshmallows. That I mean, that's a great thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. But the novel part of it was that they had a marshmallow inside of the cereal that was called Sharkosaurus. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> now this the big time fucking shit right here. This is like the best thing Fred ever did. The legendary Sharkosaurus marshmallow in this. You have to find it. You have to buy the box and find these marshmallows. Right. The, the, it was very similar to what the Shark Bites fruit snacks did with the Great Whites. Great White Buffalo. You have to find it. It was this <laughs> elusive thing, you know. And so, so um, and the gimmick. It's barely explained. Like you don't buy the box. To find the Sharkosaurus, you actually see, oh, well, there's marshmallows in these. I need to eat it. But you turn it around and they start saying that Fred and and Barney and the kids, they're fishing and they're looking for the elusive Sharkosaurus. So it's like, why bury the lead? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a slow burn. Massively mismarketed. Yeah, it's a dinosaur shark marshmallow. Like, what are you? (laughs) (laughs) And just to and just to prove your point, I actually didn't realize that these were still out because they've made such a small deal about them. But see, for you, Matt, if you were able to find this box, I think for you, what you would enjoy about it more than the dinosaur shark, believe it or not, would be the giant clam marshmallow. Oh, please listen! (laughs) I looked up these fucking marshmallows, and I got to say that Sharkosaurus, whatever the hell its name was. It yeah. pulls like triple duty because the rest of those marshmallows are terrible. Yeah, jellyfish, starfish. Well, but no, it's they're... not the theme. It's what they like. That giant clam could not have looked less like a giant clam if it was shaped like a fire truck. <laughs> they had a jellyfish that was absolutely just a flower, a turtle that looks like Yoda. It's insane. They were... Like they totally just dogged it on the rest of the marshmallows. Yeah, they're just repaints. <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> it's so funny that we've come so far in cereal mythology that we refer to marshmallows as repaints yeah (laughs) but totally it's exactly like the great white in the fruit snacks fortunately the sharkosaurus was more prevalent 
It wasn't like there's one in a box, which yeah. is good. And they're like really nicely rendered. Like there was some money and effort put behind these shark marshmallows. It pisses me off because the last time I was at ShopRite, I saw a box and I'm like, no, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to get it. And now we're talking about it. I want a box. Yeah. That's all. I'm like, I hope we finish the show before Target closes. <laughs> Take your hips, move your feet. Rudy Pebbles are great to eat. Take your hips. Bonnie, my pebbles. Rudy. Number eight. It's, it's a new pink flavor from Kool-Aid. New Shuckleberry C. Fantastic. It tastes so here. You're gonna fit. New Shuckleberry Finn from Kool-Aid. Whoa. Fantastic. Well, you knew I had to bring this one up. Sharkleberry Finn Kool-Aid. Of course. The flavor of Sharkleberry Finn is just kind of whatever for me. Yeah. It's just this like weird fruit punch, which sounds okay, but Kool-Aid tried to work in some banana, I think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know where you stand on bananas, but I hate them. Right. I think we did talk about this. I know you don't like bananas. Right. It's right. Well, well documented. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I, I need I, to tell a story I've apparently told before. No, I <laughs> I actually, I don't hate this flavor, but I think there's other characteristics about this that make it near perfect. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's You're not buying this one because you like the way it tastes. You're liking the way it's presented. It is the pinkest Kool-Aid imaginable. Right. And it originally came in the pinkest packaging ever. <laughs> so the best part was that the Kool-Aid man actually shared his spokesman duties with Shockberry mm-hmm. Finn himself. Right. Giant pink shark wearing 99 cent sunglasses. Yeah, but a pink shark. Just stop at pink shark. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. I, pink shark. Everybody, yeah, everybody makes a big deal about pink flamingos and all these other things. Pink shark. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and he talks like DJ Cat. He does. He talks like Tone Loke. Tone Loke again, <laughs> yes. So this uh, this flavor came and went in the 90s, but it returned just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's still around, but the I kind of like lost interest because they changed the mascot. Oh, did they? Yeah, like he originally was obviously, like we said, a pink shark with sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And now he's just a regular shark that the Kool-Aid man rides like a horse. Oh, I don't yeah, I don't even remember. I did buy the updated version, uh, but I don't I didn't remember the packaging of it. Yeah, it's definitely a downgrade. Actually, like all the revived Kool-Aid flavors there they're not so great with the packaging design, but at least they came back though. Cause you could recapture that flavor. And I think for me, when I was a kid, the selling point was the fact that you got to not only drink some weird colored shit. Cause I think we all still love to do that. Oh yeah. But there was an aura, like, like you said, the way it was marketed, it's very much the same way as like people are very big on their beers, you know, and, and you're not, <laughs> you, no, I, I'm serious. Like you're not, you're not just drinking a beer you're drinking what they're selling you. So if you're saying, okay, well, this IPA is, um, you know, we're going to have this actress in this commercial or whatever. And you're buying that whole experience that they're giving you on TV and stuff. Kool-Aid was very much like that. You saw the commercial where the Kool-Aid man is chilling on the dock with the kids and the the pink shark with the sunglasses and the ocean is pink. Yeah. You felt you wanted to be there with them, and the only way you could do that was to drink this stuff. <laughs> you know, that's that's actually fucking that's a brilliant analysis that I, I've never made the connection between the Kool Aid commercials and the beer commercials, but it's so on point. It is. In, in both cases, like they're just like, here we have this new flavor. Who cares what it tastes like? It's going to send you to this fantasy land that you've been dreaming yes. of your whole life. Oh my god! Exactly. And, but it's even cooler with the like 1980s and 1990s Kool Aid commercials because they were kid targeted and just 
it was like Pee-wee's Playhouse, every single one of them. But you look at it, kids of today, they don't really give a flying fuck about new flavors. They don't care. It's us that care. You know, we go and buy into all this crap. Yeah, it's true. It, it does seem more like they're targeting all these ridiculous flavors at adults these days. <laughs> Because I don't think the way to appeal to a kid now, like you said, they changed the shark into a regular shark. The way to appeal to kids isn't like, hey, here we have a, a pink ocean. Come swim with us. Well, Look I at- think these days, if you're a kid, you want to be old. And if you're old, you want to be young. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. I could picture in the 11th sequel to American Pie, whatever teenager plays Stifler, I could picture him having a line saying, girl, you're Sharkleberry fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god stifler huh yeah that is a shark jump all right (laughs) i could just picture the trailer though right now i love it i'm in totally in for american pie number eight starring stifler (laughs) with a sharkberry fin reference and i can't wait to pay 25 dollars to see it in imax (laughs) number nine Okay, time for a little Back to the Future action. And this one is all about the joke in Back to the Future 2 about Jaws 19. Now, Jaws 19 was a movie playing in Hill Valley at the movie theater when Marty McFly walked into 2015. The best part of any Back to the Future movie, I might add. It is a great, great part. So, yeah, so Marty enters October of 2015, and he walks into Hill Valley in the center of town, and he's just amazed, and he's looking all around at the stores and how everything's changed, and he walks up to a Holomax theater, and it's showing these holographic movies. So he walks up, and the marquee says Jaws 19 on it, and this holographic great white shark comes out and starts to chomp him. Oh, so good. It's so good. I love how friendly that shark looks. Yeah. Just big, bright blue thing. And then he just totally comes out and bites Marty. Yeah. It looks like he's from like something on Sega CD. (laughs) It totally does, yeah. (laughs) It could be Bruce's great, 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 great grandkid, like the shark from Jaws. So years and years later, it was actually 2015 for the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. They actually made a trailer. Universal put out a trailer. Yeah, like an official trailer. Jaws 3D was a new dimension in terror. In Jaws 4, The Revenge, it was personal. Then it was just business. Then pure pleasure. Cyber Jaws made you afraid to log on. And Robo Jaws made you afraid of robotic sharks. Ugh, Robo Jaws is my favorite. I like 50 scales of gray. 50 scales of gray. Yeah, I love how there's like, there's what? There's 18 Jaws and eight of them are romantic in some nature. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah, I don't. these people like were definitely feeling it when they wrote the script. <laughs> they were <laughs> but here's the thing with this because you know i was pretty young when back to the future 2 came out and i remember taking that jaws 19 stuff as a hint that they really did have that many sequels in the works and i was like all like about it I'm like oh wow i'm gonna be watching jaws movies my whole life and instead the series ends at part four with mario van peebles bleeding everywhere so yeah jaws 19 maybe one day we'll see uh, a jaws 5 who knows Jaws 10, it was man versus shark versus all the terrors of the deep. Outer space, then a prequel, and a sequel to the prequel. And then a new era in terror began. Jaws started a family. Number 10. 
The terror is back. I want you to get out of the water. The fear is real. It waited all this time and it came for him. The screams more chilling. The attack more deadly. Jaws, the revenge. Lorraine Gary, Michael Caine, the most frightening Jaws of all. Jaws, the revenge. This time, it's personal. So let's talk about Jaws, the revenge. Yes, let's please. <laughs> I know a lot of people hate Jaws 4, and I can see that it's pretty goddamn awful through any <laughs> objective lens, but I still love it. It just didn't have the impact as the other ones did, that's all. No, I mean, I think at the, especially at the time, it just felt sort of downbeat and humdrum, but yeah. you know, over the years, you just come to appreciate how a movie with such a strange story actually got made. Yeah. Like, you have this one random shark becoming focused on the sad remains of the Brody family. Yeah. And, it, it like, it bends the laws of space and time to continue pestering them. Yeah, like, like a it, person, it, it, person... No matter where like you that. are in the world, that shark's going to be there in an hour. Yeah, like, they're kind of insinuating that the shark has feelings. Right, and that's the thing. Like, they kind of act like it's the same shark from the other movies, but all those sharks are dead. Yeah, or, it's like, like the why does the shark have this right. vendetta? What's going on? It was like the shark's wife or son. I always have an issue with subtext, but good thing you're here. You're there to catch it for me. <laughs> so I think the movie's complete ridiculousness crystallizes in the climactic moment. Mm. I, the can big you, battle yeah, at the ending. I wish someone could explain it to me. I wish someone who who has a good insight about that could explain it to me. Okay. Do you know anyone who might be able <laughs> to do that? <laughs> well. As a matter of fact, <laughs> so there are at least two versions of the ending. I'm going to stick with the more famous one. Mm. You have Ellen Brody, who, of course, is the wife of Martin Brody from the first movie and the second movie. Right. And it's her and Michael Caine and Mario Van Peebles and someone else. And they're going against a gigantic great white shark. I know you glossed over Michael Caine, though. I mean, the fact that Michael Caine is in Jaws 4 is tremendous in itself. Uh, don't ever accuse me of glossing <laughs> over Michael Caine. I considered what I did saving Michael Caine for the main event. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, actually, I wasn't going to bring him up again, so I'm glad you're pointing this out. Yes, Michael Caine, just wonderful in this movie. He plays a man named Hoagie. It was like probably something he just needed to make some money, and then he regrets doing it. But okay, well, he said, he's actually said that. He's, he actually doesn't regret doing it, but he said he just did it for the money. He said he's never yeah. seen the movie. He has no intentions of seeing it, but it did pay for his house. <laughs> So, okay. all right, getting back to the climax here. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have Ellen, Michael Caine, all these people against the great white shark. And I'll start off by saying that the shark roars in the film. No, he doesn't roar. He's doing a Tuscan Raider esque be yes. uh, billow from yes, the like a, pit of his stomach. It, totally. It's like a, it's like a, a sand <laughs> He's like the fucking transitions of home improvement. <laughs> so in, <laughs> in the in the big moment, Ellen tries to ram the shark with the ship's bow spirit. I think that's how you say it, bow spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. when she does this, they cut to snippets of Martin Brody's big shark scenes from the first Jaws, and they're kind of playing it like Ellen is having flashbacks to scenes that she wasn't present for. <laughs> And I don't know if that's what they intended, but that's certainly how it comes off. And it's absolutely insane. Like, she's literally flashing back to Martin shooting the shark in the first movie when he's out in the open sea. Smile, you son of a bitch. 
how how does she see this? I don't know how she sees it. Like, what the hell is even going on? I, I you know, I've seen this scene two hundred times. I'm still kind of piecing it together. I know there's something with a bomb, and that's what makes the shark explode when Ellen finally oh. rams it. Okay. It's like the shark explodes and then reconstitutes itself and then explodes again. <laughs> and then it comes back again and then it explodes again. And Mario Van Peebles. Okay. The cake chopper. <laughs> Mario Van Peebles. As the movie was originally shot, Mario Van Peebles died. This was a natural conclusion considering that you literally see the great white shark eat him. There is no mistaking what's happening on screen. The shark has him in his mouth. He's bleeding profusely, and he's being dragged like 20 feet underwater. Yeah. So after the movie's done, he just pops out of the water. He's like, hey, I'm still around, man. What took it so damn long, man? What the hell are you doing alive, huh? I told you, I told you, Uncle Jake's equipment don't crap on it. I love Mario Van Peebles, but I don't know that his name value meant so much back in those days that test audiences would have demanded him to survive. <laughs> they actually did reshoots to get Mario yeah. Van Peebles back into this movie. Yeah, because people were like, no, nah, man, you can't kill Mario Van Peebles. Uh, well, I'm with those people. I just can't believe there are enough of us. <laughs> Look, I get that this movie's bad. I really do. But it's the only Jaws movie that I could still watch anytime and all the time. Really? Yeah, and I know it sounds like I'm just doing like the ironic yeah. thing, but I'm, I'm way too old to be ironic. <laughs> just the... <laughs> I just think it's a pleasant, breezy watch, and the stupid things make things seem more interesting. Just a weird installment. I think if they were in their right mind, Universal would want to come back and try to make people forget about that. Well, I mean, if there's ever another Jaws movie, and I'm sure there will be, there is no way they're going to even acknowledge that Jaws 4 ever happened. Unless they put Mario Van Peebles in a full body cast. We'll get him one of those fucking sleeping bags (laughs) that you're talking about. Study snails, eh? <laughs> Number 11. Land shark. The mighty land shark will have Mekinex for lunch. Yikes! And He Man for dessert. Land shark vehicle, Skeletor, Mekinex, and He Man figures each sold separately. Help! Help! Land shark, land shark. Help! He Man! I cannot go a full show, and I know you can't either. Without mentioning the Masters of the Universe Land Shark vehicle. Land Shark. Land Shark. <laughs> exactly. Land Shark was a vehicle that the bad guys used. It was your basic everyday chomping tank that looked like a shark, you know? <laughs> Why? <laughs> how did how did Skelter get these things? <laughs> I don't know. Like, but did he commission somebody? Well, you know, I feel like that model, it was very practical, good on gas. So that's probably why he got it. But he has a killer commute home from <laughs> Steak Mountain. So <laughs> just keep it more interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It was like half shark and half tank. Half shark, half tank. Half shark, land shark. <laughs> it, lo- it was like the land speeder from Star Wars, but also a shark. It's exactly yeah, what it is. And you mentioned but- that Skeletor was like usually the one riding it. Well, of course he was. He was the leader. If you're the leader, wouldn't you pick the fucking shark? He could have basically whatever he wants, whatever his heart desires. But in one of the shows, I think one of the snake guys, I don't know if it's Killer Khan, one of these snake guys was riding Land Shark. I guess that speaks to the fact that the novelty of driving a shark, once you've done it once, <laughs> you're good. Yeah, is that the, then is that the used Land Shark dealership? Yeah. 
one of the things that's worth mentioning is the color scheme, okay? So it's a purple, orange, and blue color scheme. Not your typical shark. <laughs> the teeth are orange. Yeah. The shark is, like, purple. You know, the seat is blue. It's crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, like, a punk sort of dystopian robot shark vibe. Yeah, robo shark vibe. Exactly. It's got cannons. Or the rubber teeth are going to chomp down on you, oh, you know? Yeah, I love how they made the teeth rubber. Just like, you know what? He's going to be too sharp otherwise. <laughs> Exactly. And the faster you move it, the faster the jaws open and close. <laughs> land shark, land shark, land shark. The one thing that they mention on the packaging, the jaws of the shark holds one figure while the driver's seat holds another. Oh, so, that's such lame bullshit. <laughs> so that's, they, that's totally, that's a stretch. Yeah, I mean, like, you couldn't shove, like, seven or eight figures in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they're actually counting the figure you're eating as the vehicle being able to hold it. Exactly, yeah. Land Shark Vehicle, new from the Masters of the Universe collection, not for use with some figures. Action figures each sold separately. From Mattel. Number 12. Shark Contact! Shark attack! Shark attack! Shark attack! Shark attack! I want a shark attack! I rode a tidal wave from the South China Sea to Waikiki, and now I'm on your home turf, land, and I'm hunting you down. My mouth has been watering for the taste of Hulkamania. All right, so I've beaten this drum before, but you know I'm not going to miss a chance to talk about the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh-huh. For those who haven't listened to several of our previous shows, the Dungeon of Doom was a stable of monster-themed wrestlers who wreaked havoc in World Championship Wrestling. Your Dungeon of Doom is like my Sammy Kerr fetish. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, I think yours might be a little endearing. Mine's just annoying. <laughs> For those who haven't listened to those uh, five or six other episodes, the idea was that you had this series of wrestlers slash creatures who all wanted to kill Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and the reason... In common. Yeah, it's like, you know what? You're a monster. I'm a monster. We both hate Hogan. Let's slap five. Yeah. So the reason I'm bringing this up on our shark theme podcast is because of a man named John Tenta. Uh. You might remember him as the WWF's Earthquake. Yes. Or later as the Avalanche in WCW. Right. But then he joined the Dungeon of Doom and was rebranded as the Shark. <laughs> now, you hear Shark and you might think it's just like a cool nickname for a big brute who could kick the shit out of you. But yeah. no, what I'm saying is that John Tenta literally became a shark. In lesser words. <laughs> in lesser words, I would, I would certainly hope. But yes, he wore blue tights. He painted mm -hmm. his face like shark jaws. <laughs> And he even used his hand to, like, do weird impressions of the fin. <laughs> so, like, he'd walked, he'd, like, be doing a karate chop, but you were supposed to take it as a shark fin. As if yeah. the shark usually uses its fin to chop you. <laughs> and they even gave him this, like, entrance music that ripped off the Jaws theme. I know you weren't a big WCW fan. You didn't follow the... The career of the shark. 
I mean, I used, like I said, I used to switch back and forth, and some of this stuff was really cringeworthy, and, and this was one of those things. He was certainly better suited to be Earthquake. That gimmick was better for him. He wasn't thin. He wasn't a thin guy. He wasn't in shape. If you were to have to choose a human being that would have to be in a shark gimmick, right? it wouldn't be Earthquake that you would pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it's, it's not the first animal that comes to mind when someone brings up Earthquake. <laughs> the finishing move i think he he does you know a running clothesline not necessarily what i would say like a shark would finish the match with <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true i mean it was hokey but i just loved it and we're back to action here on wcw pro and dusty there he is one of the ghouls from the dungeon of doom the shark so uh while we're on the subject of the dungeon of doom I'd like to remind everyone that the shark used to team with a man named the Zodiac. <laughs> Cut and struck. <laughs> Big Brother Brutus. <laughs> You know, our last show was about the old wrestling entrance themes. Yeah. Oh, my God. We got such shit for skipping Brutus. How could we miss it after we played it 467 times? Yeah. I mean, you know, in retrospect, I guess we should have seen that one coming. <laughs> Welcome back, Mr. Beefcake. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. Oh, uh, sure has. So let's uh, see if we could run down our, our picks. Okay, so we're to remind everyone, I'm picking my favorite from Jay's entries, and he's picking his favorite from mine. Yeah, I guess after 41 episodes, they aren't aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> For those just tuning in. Yeah. All right, let me look at yours. I'll start with you. Yeah, Batman 1966. Landshark Bar. Mm -hmm. Back to the Future, Jaws 19. Landshark from He-Man. Yeah, Land Shark from He-Man. Marshmallows, Marshmallows. Yeah. Oh boy, that's a that's a loaded lineup. <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jaws 19. Jaws 19. This time, it's really, really personal. Really? Yeah. Oh. Look, if someone said the word shark to me and said, "Name your three favorite things ever about sharks." Uh-huh. It would be really, really hard for me to not put the Jaws 19 scene in. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. I fucking love that. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing when I was a kid, and I still think it's, like, the greatest thing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a good one, definitely. All right, let me see. Out of yours, we had a lot of good picks, because when we said, let's do the shark show, the first thing I thought of, like, the first thing that pops into my head and yours was shark bites. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I, a... I claimed that motherfucker as soon as we came up with the show concept. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, shark I mean, bites. That... I honestly, that's the first thing that you say shark. I don't even think of Jaws. I think of shark bites. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Shark bites, uh, street sharks, Cinnabur shark commercials, Sharkleberry Finn, Dungeon of Doom, Jaws 4. You had mm. a lot of good ones here. And it would definitely be narrowed down to Sharkleberry Finn and shark bites and i'm i'm definitely gonna go with shark bites he's big and he's back the great white shark now in mark boxes of shark bites cool 
the nostalgia for fruit snacks for me it's tremendous yeah. because i, I wish just they were still as good as they used to be though because like i yeah. feel like they've lost a step to try to get healthier you know you kind of lose some of the appeal right because they like they all basically just kind of like have like a jello flavor now mm-hmm. and back then it was like it was almost like a wine like flavor yeah, and they were a little bit more hefty. Like, they had more to them. Yep. Now, there's a, like an element where they're almost like a, sort of like a gummy candy. Yeah. Back then, they were more like, they had more to them, I felt. They had more heft. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on the heft. <laughs> land shark, land shark, land shark. All right, Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 41. It's good to be back, Jay. Yeah, good to be back. Welcome back, and... Thanks for listening to us talk about sharks for four and a half hours. Uh, I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. And we'll see you next time. Listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.